0: Hey, it's Blair, and this is Laid Off, the Blair Thomas podcast, my project I've been doing for free after I got fired in the middle of the strangest summer ever, really. So hopefully you're staying safe and healthy. Uh, You can head to my website for all the links to subscribe. That's BlairThomasMedia.com for Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. And remember, you can always just say, Hey, Alexa, play the Blair Thomas podcast, and she'll get that going for you also. This was a ton of fun recording this episode with my old friend Shauna, who we had a chance to work with at our CMA Awards broadcast in Nashville and our ACM Awards broadcast in Las Vegas. Ironically, her two hometowns, really. You can follow her on Instagram at InstaNashville for all things Nashville. Food, music, culture, anything that has to do with Music City, she's got it. That's InstaNashville on Instagram. All right, Sean, where are you at, girl? All right. So this is an old friend of mine and someone who I've worked with over the years. And you honestly, every time I see you are either getting into trouble or thinking about getting into some kind of trouble. And for that, I appreciate this is my friend, Shauna. What's up, Shauna? Do you you agree with that assumption about yourself?
1: (laughs) I mean, considering that the times you see me, um, Paula and Tyler and Brad were normally around. So, yes, you're not wrong. (laughs) You're not wrong which, at all, which, which
0: I appreciate. Can you give you like a, a quick synopsis of who you are and kind of what you do and how you kind of tie into especially the music industry right now?
1: Yeah. Um, so I am was raised in Vegas, um, which I think living in Nashville is like a kind of a it throws people off a little bit. At least it did when I first moved here. Um, I graduated with journalism and media studies and I wanted to be a tour manager it was like my dream job. Like I wanted to, that's so bad. And then I came to the realization that I'd have to actually travel. And I didn't like that. I was like, I don't want to be gone all the time. Um, when I moved to Nashville in 2013, um, a friend of mine, she's also on radio. She was like, you know what? Why don't you start an Instagram that is pretty much places that like people can go when they're visiting Nashville that aren't necessarily super touristy, like Broadway. Like we love Broadway, but, um, like restaurants and boutiques, and you know, all these things that make Nashville great, and even in the outer skirts of it. So, we started this, and it was kind of took off and it went running. And now, um, you know, Insta so has definitely been like my baby, and it's definitely allowed me to do a lot of really great things, which I'm super appreciative of. Like, you know, yeah. and I, I joke with Lauren, and I was like, this started off as a joke, like, and now it's, I literally would do anything for it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So for those who don't know of the page, where can you follow Insta Nashville? Where? What's the handle? All that.
1: Um, so we're on Instagram. It's just Insta Nashville. Um, we have a Twitter account, but we're not very active on it, which is something we're trying to change. Um, but we're primarily just on, you know, Instagram right now, working on a podcast for the future. So going to hop on that train.
0: <laughs> I- I'm glad you're doing this because with my job working in country radio for so long and trips to Nashville and trips to Vegas for the ACMs, you were always around at so many of the events and, and so much of the music stuff. And I would—I can only imagine if you're living in Nashville and day to day being in the bars, going to this, the, the different events. How often do you like run into people who were like super famous on the street? I don't know, because like in, in the Baltimore area, we don't have a ton of like the Luke Bryans of the world aren't hanging out in the Inner Harbor.
1: <laughs> so like what's weird, like when I first moved here, I like I guess. I wasn't really in the country when I first moved here. Um, I just had to, to kind of get into it for obviously my radio remote, you know, gig. So, I mean, I would see people at like now, well now I see them at like, you know, sometimes at tin roof or winners and losers on a Monday night at whiskey jam, you know, they just like hop on stage and play. And I feel like it's definitely like spoiled me to where I'm like, I'm not going to pay to go see somebody when I can go see them for free at a writer's round. um, I did see Eric Church at Walmart once, like a couple of years ago.
0: Wait, wait what? For
1: real? Yeah. Um, I was with uh, my roommate at the time, and we were standing in line, and I just kept looking over, and I was like, this guy looks so familiar, like, oh my God, like, I think this is Eric Church, like in the back of my mind. And my roommate goes, like, we leave, and she was like, did you date that guy? Like, I feel like I've seen him before. And I was like, that's Eric Church. She goes, oh, the hatch print we have in the, l- the living room. And I go, Yes. Like, I don't know
0: what <laughs> to do. God. So was he, like, doing his standard Eric Church things in Walmart? Like, like
1: yeah! Like, all that
0: other stuff. <laughs> like, he
1: he's so like, quiet. Check it out. Like, he wasn't wearing aviators, and I think that's what threw me off. No aviators, no hat. Like, he was buying a fishing pole and a Red Bull.
0: Dude. So he is, like, intimidatingly quiet whenever I'm around him. In a way that, like, you know, like, the... The loudest person in the room is not always uh, the the one who is in control of everything. Yeah, in that sense, he's so like I don't know, almost intimidatingly short and quiet with whatever he does and says. And I've only been around him a few times, but I, I feel <laughs> so inferior being around a dude like that for more than like five minutes.
1: Well, he's like he's like powerfully silent. Like yeah, and I just think his like his aura and like his vibe is like this mysterious cool like i don't know but i definitely like i don't fangirl i mean you've known me for a while i don't fangirl i don't get like starstruck but i literally had to stop in my tracks i was like oh my god
0: (laughs) so who else have you been closest to starstruck near because my my one that really got me was when i had a chance to chat with brad paisley for like 10-15 minutes and usually like you know, you, you go through the meet and greet line and obviously we have the radio connects under the record rep and we'd have a chance to take the picture and move on. I don't want to hold up the line cause I feel bad. Things like that. Yeah. But I had a chance to like be pulled aside and like his rep was like, Hey, Blair, Brad, Brad, Blair, and just like stepped back. And in the back of my head, I'm like, Holy crap, this is Brad Paisley right now. So I, yeah. like I blanked and didn't know what to say. And like, I don't know, he, he has a certain air to him also. And that was the one time where I was like, I, this 10 minutes like needs to speed up because I feel like a little starstruck. Do you, have you ever been in a situation where you were really like, I'm near this person.
1: I mean, obviously with Eric at Walmart, blew my mind. Um, but when I first met Trisha Yearwood at the radio mm. remote, she walked in mm-hmm. and I almost started crying. I was like, Oh my gosh. Cause she was the first country artist I'd ever listened to. Yeah. She's in love with the boy. It was the first country song I ever listened to. So like seeing her walk in, I was like, Oh my God! Like, and I looked at my at Lauren, and I was like, "Oh my God, it's it's Trisha!" Like, and I don't I don't know if you if you remember if you were there that year, but it was on Halloween, and we wore T shirts that said "Abba Mouse," duh. That was like our costume.
0: Uh huh. Uh-huh. And
1: she, Trisha, was like, "Oh my God, I Mean Girls," and I was like, "Oh my God, she gets it! Like, she gets it!" <laughs> she was like, "Those are so cute!" In this that made my life like. Lauren and I talk about that all the time. And I'm like, oh my god, that moment, that moment, you know, that Trisha Yearwood got our shirts. Like it's great.
0: We were at some party, and Joe Diffie, um, who we had interviewed yeah. earlier in the day, so I know, r- RIP. He he had um, recognized Tyler and I from the, the remotes. And of course they meet all these people and they see, and they're in and out and all this stuff. And I'm like, all right, like, you know, there's no way he's going to know who we are. He approaches us and he says, Hey, Tyler, right? Hey, Blair, right? And we both were like, like mind blown. Like it, it was nuts. And I don't know, there's something like, and we'll probably talk more about him in a minute. But when I, I saw Kanye in concert in 2014 and I was front row and I was within 10 feet of, like, my creative idol, right? Yeah. And I'm rapping his songs to him while making eye contact with him, which was, like, a surreal, like, this this person who I'm in awe of is aware of my presence, and it's freaking weird. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's weird. It's weird. So, to go into the Nashville stuff, you you've been there for almost a decade now.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I know. I hate using decades as time measurement because that means we're old now. But what does Nashville feel like now, I guess, after the major lockdown of COVID-19 and like, what's it like out that way?
1: So I think that Nashville definitely got served up a couple of plates of just trash um, because we got hit with the tornadoes um, on March 3rd, which was relatively close to my house. Like I live in East Nashville. So Were you home for that? I was, um, it Holy was crap. by far the scariest moment of my life. Um, I was laying on the couch and I had like the window cracked open a little bit. Cause it was like nice outside and I could hear the rain start picking up. And I was like, Oh, it's not, it's just gonna, it's rain. It's fine. And I just happened to look over and it, like my kitchen was flooded. Like all this water had come in through the window. The siren started going off. My phone started like losing its mind. The wind picked up. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, I I was, I started crying. I was, like, shaking. I grabbed my dogs, went into the bathroom, like, got in the bathtub, like, put a pillow over us, like, that was going to help anything.
0: Holy crap, um, dude.
1: And it literally, like, you could just hear the wind. My phone was going, like, berserk. Um, and it was over really quickly. But, like, I had never experienced that in my life. Like, and then I started to see photos and people were, you know, texting me and so on Twitter and... You know, seeing like the Five Points area just kind of destroyed, and then seeing you know Germantown just destroyed, um, yeah, it was scary. And then you know we're still trying to rebuild from that. People are trying to get their money back in order, the insurance, and then all of a sudden COVID hits. And Jeez,
0: I almost forgot they were back to back, like yeah,
1: that. literally like I think it was like two or three weeks. Um, oh my god! So now all these small businesses that were trying to were just opening up, um, were now closed again. And you know there was one uh, place. Oh goodness, uh, Marché, and they were closed. They got hit by the tornado. They were closed for a couple of days, and then they reopened, and then they closed, and now they're permanently closed. Which is so sad because you're like, you know, people put their blood, sweat, and tears in these small restaurants, and when in these small bars, and now you know we have COVID, and people, you know, we'll we'll address the elephant in the room—that viral video of Broadway. Yeah, we
0: need to talk about this because that was scary to see. And and it's so like when things are statistics and um, seeing as a graphic on your your favorite local news or whatever, just like, hey, people aren't wearing masks or this amount of people are going out. But to like see physically people like not. Uh, adhering to any mask guidelines or distance guidelines was a little scary. Is it like that everywhere? Or was that just like an isolated thing?
1: I mean, it's predominantly on Broadway because a lot of those places, like I don't really feel that they're taking it seriously. Um, I just feel like people think Broadway just is like no hold bars, like nothing matters. Um, You know, and I get it. Like you can't drink with a mask on. I get it. Like get a straw, drink it underneath your mask. Like that's what I do. Like,
0: Yeah. It's like, at least try. Right. And that's the thing. Like people really, I I don't know. Someone else put it perfectly before I did, but the whole, you can really tell the people who've never been told no in their lives Mm -hmm. based on who is out there (laughs) complaining so much about like a, a, a piece of cloth that goes over your face. It's like this sense of, I can't have anyone tell me how to do or what to do anything. And obviously like, I don't know. I think a part of it too is, the whole like reopen the country comes down to so many people like being served and having someone wait on them. And I don't know, kind of boss someone around, snap your fingers at someone. It's yeah. so like deeply ingrained in like so much of what we do for a lot of people that like they, we need to have that sense of like, Hey, grab me something, you know, I, I don't yeah. know. It's, it's kind of a weird like dynamic that we're in now, or we can't like resist going and doing stuff.
1: Yeah. It's, it definitely comes back to like the privilege of it all. like, you know, as Americans, like, you know, for the most part, we do have a big privilege and we get to go to these things, we get to do these things. Um, yeah. And I think that has a very big part to do with it. And again, like, you know, tapping on you, like saying, like, people not being able t- to be told no, you know, and it's, it's kind of embarrassing. Like, the fact that we can't travel anywhere outside of the United States of America is embarrassing. Like... <laughs>
0: We're, we're now those guys. We're the dirty, filthy oh. Americans now to everyone else in the world. And I think we need to really like,
1: think about realize it. Like, that. I saw someone that said that some very similar sentiment. They were like, we're now the dirty, smelly kid in the classroom.
0: <laughs> yeah. I was like,
1: Oh my God, you're, you're not wrong. Like, you know, I was like, if it takes four weeks for us to like finish it, I think we're also just a very, like a society that's, I want it now. Like we're a very Veruca salt Mm, like, mm-hmm. and it's, you know, I want it now and I don't care how I get it, you know, and I get like, we all have a little bit of that in us. I get that. But when it's sure. for the greater good of the country, like, I just feel like three weeks of, if everybody wore a mask and that's a this statistic is if it's everyone wore a mask for like four weeks, we would like be able to get rid of it. I mean, it saves well, me a and- lot of money on makeup, so, like, I'm here for
0: it. <laughs> same, girl, same. <laughs> I haven't spent a dime on makeup since this whole thing started. It's been great. It's been great. But it's that, you know, like, you're right about the the dirty-smelling kid in the classroom. It's like, there, there's America in the back of the classroom flicking boogers and complaining about doing classwork again. You know, it's just, like, buckle in and just get it done and realize it's not always about us. And I think, like you said, like, the the selfish nature of it is what's really driving it it's because we can't like for a second, remember that putting the mask on isn't about for the most part, keeping us safe. It's for everyone else around you yeah. and i you know, just not being a jerk. I don't know. Just not being a jerk. It's what it comes down I to. I just
1: like, and that's what I don't know who I've been to in a grocery store. I don't know if I've been in the gas station. Like, you know, I don't know. So, you know, when I've had, I've had four friends test positive for COVID.
0: Holy crap. Really? Mm
1: -hmm. And are they
0: doing okay? Like,
1: yeah, they're okay. Like they just said it was miserable. They were like, people need to take this seriously. Like they're all healthy. They're in their mid thirties. One of them is like 29. Um, so she's younger, I guess. Yeah. But like Mm -hmm. it, anybody can catch it. And I think that no one really realizes that it's an actual thing and how miserable it is until you get it. Like a friend of mine, he, he just got over it. He's like, it was miserable. And he's like, I didn't do anything. I didn't leave my bed. I didn't shower like nothing.
0: Yeah. I think for a lot of people, we need a visual for a lot of this stuff. And that comes with anything. Like if if there's an allegation against a celebrity, but there's no video proof of it, we're kind of like, oh, that's alleged. But as soon as like we see it as a society and like have something attached to that, um, I think we start to take it more seriously because we can like see it. I think with a lot of the, the covid stuff, we haven't turned on the news and, and seeing the person on the ventilator as often and like had someone personally a- affected by it. So then it becomes like, well, like it's, it's just the number and all this other stuff, which kind of detaches us a little bit. It's crazy. My, my fiance, Marissa, she's a nurse and she had to work on a COVID unit, I think a few times. And mm. that was really, you know, initially, you know, she, she's a boss, you know, yeah. she's like, Oh, I'll just go in do my job and get out. And, you know, things are just kind of, Uh, more clinical for her, but it really, it, it hit us in a way because then once she went and worked on the unit and it was like, Hey, before you get home, like you've got to, you know, change on the porch and shower when you get in and like, don't be around your, your mom and your siblings and your young nieces and nephews. And that was like a hit. And then it was like, well, do we see each other? Like how it it, it flipped. It was a little dangerous and scary, especially at first, because I mean, you don't know for them, uh, you know, the equipment shortages and all of that. And I don't know, just to have, like you said, it's more real when there's a personal connection to it. And I just think that's something that a lot of people just don't have yeah. for whatever
1: reason. No, I guess I just think that, you know, it's the whole like, it, it, it won't, it doesn't, if it doesn't happen to me, it's not real, you mm-hmm. know? And I think that's to be said a lot, a lot of other things too. Like people who drink and drive, they're like, it's never going to happen to me until it does, you know? And, and I think that, with COVID being kind of like an invisible like virus, you know, where it's not Mm -hmm. like polio where it like, you know, cripples you or, you know, any of those things, which I mean, I guess COVID can as well, but you know, I don't know. (laughs) It's, it's, and it's a friend of mine posted on Facebook this tweet um, from a girl, like a teacher in another, in another state. And it was like, Oh, I went to my doctors for my yearly checkup and she, and she asked like, Hey, like, how can I, you know, what should I do in the age of COVID? Like, da da da. And they were like, "Well, buy five and ninety-five masks, one for each day." You know, all the kind of the typical, like, make sure you wash your hands all the time. Don't 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 touch anything. The last thing was update your will, and that like, oh my god, hit. I like started crying because <laughs> I was like, wow. a lot of my friends are teachers, and like, if that's their response to it, like, dear God, you know, like. These little babies, you know, that they're supposed to be the future of the world, the world and the country. Like. They're putting their trust into, you know, these these adults, you know, we don't know what's happening. We know we don't know what's going to happen. Like, you know, what's best for society, what's best for health, what's best for kids, teachers. Like there's so many different pieces that balance it.
0: The sad part for me is that for the people making the decisions when it comes to schools and just about everything else. For the most part, they're so detached from it, especially in the school system in that they are, they're pulling the strings and making the decisions for people to say, get in there or, or whatever the case may be in that region. But the people with the passion and the heart and, and the love for the kids are the ones who are on the front lines and they have almost no control over how this all goes down. And that's just, it's just sad because I don't know, they're, they're the ones who are, you know, to use the, the front line analogy, they are and the ones who are so in control and being so further, far away in their $2 million home yeah. somewhere. That's hard. It's hard to
1: see it, for everybody. Yeah. I and I think it's like, I mean, not only were teachers prior to this already stretched them with their budgets, and, like, they're, mm-hmm. you know, having to pay for their own money for school supplies. Like, now they're going to have to pay mm-hmm. for all this other stuff, too. All this, like, medical stuff. Like, you know, what if a kid forgets a mask? Well, guess what? Now you have to have extra masks. You have to have tons of sanitizer, you know. And it's, it's just scary. And it's, I think what also, too, I was thinking about this the other day, that when this all kind of started and kids had to be homeschooled, people were praising teachers for everything they do. They were like, they deserve a raise. They're the best. Like, you know, X, Y, Z. And now they're just like, OK, figure it out. Bye.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Pretty How much. Quickly much though. We forget. Just like and, and there are so many unfortunate comparisons between the, the international crisis that was 9-11 versus the international uh, situation we're in now with the, the pandemic. And, you know, on September 10th, 2001, so many people were not thinking about the first responders and the firefighters and, and the um, law enforcement. But after that day, we all said, like, boom, we're like, hey, we've been really underappreciating these guys. Yeah. And I think teachers and um, nurses and even the people who stock shelves at your local Walmart are being seen in a different light now. Where I don't think we'll ever, we should ever underappreciate these people who really keep the society and keep our world going. Because now, you know, unfortunately, we're seeing just how valuable they are.
1: And I think, too, is that it's bringing a lot of people to, like, change their career paths. You know, hospitality and the beauty industry, like, that's not coming back for a while. Like, I mean, it's back, but it's not going to be what it was. So, you know, I have friends that, you know, have worked in meetings and events. And they're like, well, I'm going to figure out what I want to do now. New Year's Eve, I definitely was like, 2020 is going to be great.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Weren't we all? Weren't we all? Hey, yo, speaking of great, I got to put you on the spot and i have to ask you about your hair because you recently okay. went on social media and you you made a post that was all about your your hair and well before i spoil anything you tell me the situation and i want to at some point if it's okay with you post your pictures so people can see exactly what's been going on so fill fill everybody in
1: Yeah. So, uh, I mean, being on lockdown, can't see your hairdresser. A lot of things start to come to light and what you kind of want to do. And I think you refocus your priorities a little bit. Um, and so I have been going gray since I was 17 and it's genetics. My grandmother was like pure white. I think by she was like 25 or 26. my Um, My dad started getting gray hair early. So I was like, well, you know, at this point, I was spending $140 every couple of weeks just to get my roots done. Um, And when I got back from Germany, I was like, I've only been gone like three weeks. Like, why is this so much growth? And I thought maybe it's the dye, like maybe the dye didn't hold up. So I sent it to my hair girl and she was like, that's regrowth. I was like, that's a lot of regrowth for three weeks. Like what? And she was like, yeah, she's like, I guess your hair is growing a lot faster than it used to. I was like, great. Um, I couldn't do it in my short hair stage, but (laughs) it's fine. So (laughs) I had to have that bob for too long. Um, So (laughs) I literally just looked in the mirror one day and I was like, you know what? Like I'm done. I'm done dyeing my hair. I'm done trying to like hold up this facade of like having gray hair is old or having gray hair is not attractive. Like I started Googling like hairstyles that were gray, you know, luckily kind of right now people are spending thousands of dollars to dye their hair gray, like to get it to that, like silver platinum look or, you know, the blue grays. So I was like, cool. Like I just have to not, you know, let it naturally grow. Um, but my hair was so dark. It was like a super dark Brown. So the regrowth with the dark Brown, it was not cute at all. Like it definitely, it, it kind of like hurt my self esteem a little bit. Like I had, mm-hmm. I had FaceTimed a guy, like we were like co what was it quarantine dating and we had FaceTimed and I was like so embarrassed of it that I like hit it, you know? And so after that, I was like, I'm done. Like, I can't do this anymore. Like it's hurting my, my self esteem. It's hurting my confidence in myself. And like, I like to think that I'm a pretty confident person in general. So I, I. I actually made like four different appointments and I canceled all of them because I was just like, no, I'm just not, I don't know if I'm ready for this. I'm not, there's no going back. So I finally got to my hair girl and she was like, all right, let's do this. I have a, I have a great plan for this. It's going to take like six sessions. I was like, okay. So we're in the first phase now. So it's now it's just kind of getting rid of that dark. the dark. So there's a lot of like blonde intertwined in it. And like, I haven't been blonde since I was like 21. <laughs> so it's definitely taking a lot of like getting used to and like having to like you know buy special shampoo so it doesn't turn brown like brassy but i'm like really excited about it now and like i've gotten a lot of compliments which is really like kind of cool um and i really i was just nervous because i think my dark hair i have green eyes so i was like oh perfect dark hair green eyes like find me a husband real quick yeah i got this yeah
0: yeah Yeah, I got to say, friend to friend, it looks great because I I think it's so important and so bold and it's so empowering, I think, you know, especially as a woman to just embrace whatever God gave you Um, and, and for you to just say, you know what, like, this is me and screw you if you don't think that I'm beautiful otherwise or you know hey this is this this is who I am and I don't have to hide that whatever that may be whether it be like a stretch mark or whether it be like a scar or or hair turning gray like I think that's so awesome for you to just be like "F it and it looks freaking amazing so you've made me feel better about my future transition (laughs) whenever that will be like I'm 29 now like my hair doesn't grow like it used to like (laughs) I'm feeling like in the next couple of years when it's time for stuff to start showing up in a different color, like, yeah. I think what you're doing will help people like me be like, you know what? I, th- I think that's, that's all right. And I'm going to embrace that. So, so thanks for being you. That's really cool.
1: Hey, it's, it's fun. Like it's, it's nice. Now I get to go like shopping and I get to like change my makeup because it changes like the coloring of your skin, which is weird. I never realized that either. So we'll see, stay yeah. tuned. 2021, it'll probably be <laughs> whoa. Probably end of twenty twenty
0: one. Hey, you know what? You won't get carded anymore, right? Do, Do you st-
1: I, so, I <laughs> I went out. Um, I was like, kind of, I was dating this guy, and we a couple weeks ago, like, we went out to get dinner, and he got carded, and I didn't. And he was like, "Why didn't you get carded? I'm older than you." And I was like, "It's because I have gray hair. I think I'm probably oh. smarter than you. They probably think that I'm like a Kruger with you."
0: Oh my god, dude. So so Marissa and I have had trouble with this where like we'd go out with a group of friends and our server would like card two of us, but not card the other two. And then like it would cause this whole thing, because we're all in like our mid to late twenties, where it's like, hey dude, if you're gonna card especially, and again, for for some people are more sensitive about their age than others, like if you're gonna card people like do the whole table. And then we were, we were out to dinner on my birthday. Right. And our server comes out and she proceeds to card us. Right. And my fiance had a her license like expired right before COVID happened. So she hadn't had a chance to get it renewed. And we explain the situation. We're like, hey, like she, we haven't had a chance to go to the MVA, get it taken care of. She's like, oh, sorry, I can't serve you, which like sucks, but we get it. Then the table next to us full of older people, older than us people, she proceeds to not card any of them for any of their drinks. And we're like, wait, so if you're going to not serve us because of an ID, can you at least like go through the motions with him who's sitting right next to us? Because it's like I can see what's happening. And it's like so at that point, like I'm like, well, do I I didn't get anything to drink just because. I felt like it would be kind of off putting to be the only person at the table. Like it creates all these issues. Just like, I don't know, either card everyone or don't card anybody. That's my thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, I didn't get carded on my 21st birthday and I cried.
0: Oh my God. It's like, I've waited 21 years for this.
1: <laughs> yeah. My boyfriend at the time was like, can you please card her? It's her birthday. And I'll never hear the end of it. If you don't
0: <laughs> Now uh, I'm like,
1: don't card me. I'm too lazy. I don't take my ID out of my wallet. Yeah. Trust I'm old enough.
0: Yeah, we're good. We're good. Hey, um, so about Nashville again, I, I saw that they're doing some more drive-in concerts now. If you've not heard about this, there are certain events, uh, I think, in Nashville, some in Indianapolis, I believe, also. Big names, too. I think Brad Paisley uh, John did Party. one. John Party. um, And some others where you literally take your car like you would a drive-in movie and you'd sit in the parking lot. And the artist is on stage, but there are certain uh, physical barriers on the ground like stay within these like three parking spots or whatever and you can tailgate and have a good time and kind of do a drive-in concert are you in or out on these
1: uh, i'm out because like i like to pay money to st- literally stay in your car to hear because okay let me, let me back up. so it's not something that i would do I mean, Eric Church, maybe, maybe I do it for him. (laughs) I actually, I was talking to someone who works in this and in the industry. He works as one of those artists and he was, I was like, can you explain it to me more? And he goes, so like the artist is on stage and you have so many cars. Like, I think it's like a hundred dollars a parking spot or something or per person. I'm not quite sure how they do it. He goes, you turn on your radio and it's linked up to the radio station. I was like, so I just might as well listen to their album." Yeah. Like, and you think if there's a hundred cars and you're the last of those cars, like, I'm not sure if there's like tier pricing, but like, I'm not going to spend a hundred dollars to be 200 yards back. Mm. I wouldn't do that in a normal setting. So I think the only upside of it is I can bring your own booze in.
0: Yeah. That's really, I'm with you. I think that's really the only upside on it. And I, the booze aspect is one I, for me personally. The reason I like going to concerts are those moments that you can't get from a stereo. So uh, when the lighters come out or the flashlights now or uh, the, the physical beat you feel when the bass hits out of the speakers or being around people and being in crowd like that's that's why I love concerts. If not, like you said, why not just listen to, you know, there, there are so many versions of like. Uh, live cuts of music out there it's just like I don't know I know you physically see them on stage but I didn't know the music wasn't coming out of like a sound system I didn't know it was coming out of the car that's weird
1: So like and I don't know if that's 100% accurate because I know that with uh my friends just went to the I think the John party one that was like last week at Nissan Yeah and it looked like they had like speaker a speaker's like surround system um but I don't know like I just Cause I get the, I like when I do a, go to a concert, I feed off the energy of the crowd. Yeah, dude. And when I hear a crowd singing along, like I get really teary eyed. Um, it's like one of my favorite sounds in the whole world. Like I just, I love people. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, what your ethnicity is, you know, what your hair color is, what's your monetary status. Like, you know, the songs and you sing together. And like for that three minutes and 50 seconds, like you're all like one group. You all get along and everyone's just vibing together. It's like one of my favorites. And I feel like that's lost in this car thing. And it's, you know, and like, I'm the type of person, like, when I go to a concert, I drink. And so when I drink, I get very, like, like affectionate. So I like make new friends at concerts. I'm like, hey, like, we love this song together.
0: Yeah, that's part of the fun.
1: Yeah. And so I just feel like without that aspect of it, like, I'll just wait.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. uh, Well, sports obviously are going through their own individual battles between the NHL and the NBA is coming back next week. And the MLB kicks up on Friday. And one of my favorite moments ever at a sporting event is when I was at a Philadelphia 76ers game. It's a playoff game. And the couple next to me was like on a first date. And the guy was like a basketball fan. And the woman was just like completely unknowledgeable about anything basketball. And at the beginning of the game, you know, he's explaining like what the three point line was and how many people are on the court and things like that. And she, she progressively watched and the game was really exciting. It was a playoff games. So everybody's going nuts. And by the end, like with the Sixers won, she was like hugging strangers and high-fiving people. And that's like similar to the concert situation where it's like you physically, those are the things that we miss with live sports and live events in general, is because well, I don't know that that feeling of being there, you know, y- you can't you can't feel that sensation of wanting to hug a stranger when you're at home listening to it through your echo or whatever it is. You just you just don't. And I, I think I don't know. We're
1: missing out on that that level of like camaraderie and like of cheering for the same team. And I mean, I'm a huge like I'm a huge hockey fan. So like it breaks my heart that I'm not going to be able to see the Knights, you know, or the Preds play like. I look forward to hockey season every year. I go to at least like three or four games like in Titans games. I'm like, like I just like, I know nothing about football. Don't get me wrong. But like, I like the vibe and I like the energy and I like how excited people get to be around other fans and yeah. to like watch these grown men kick a ball up and down the field. But like, you know, cause then you have tailgating and you have that and you have the high fives and like, it's just weird. Like I, I met someone for the first time the other day and we elbow bumped.
0: Oh my gosh. Isn't that awkward? I, or like, cause I'm a hugger too. So like sometimes like I'm more like, you know, I have to like catch myself. Like do I high five? Do I elbow? Do we like do the kid and play ankle touch? Like, I don't know. I never know what to do. <laughs> it's bad. It's so bad.
1: Yeah. My Instagram, I was like, I can't wait to be a hugger again. Like, <laughs> You know, and for little kids too, like being a hugger, like it releases endorphins and it it makes you happy. So like if you're someone who like me, like I mean I hug my dogs, I'm pretty sure they hate me at this point. <laughs> Straight hate me.
0: <laughs> so two more people who maybe kinda love, maybe kinda hate each other right now, as you've seen, everyone's seen, Will Smith, Jada Pinkett Smith, and the Red Table Talk and oh the <laughs> quote-unquote, entanglement that happened between Jada and August Alcina, and, and Will looking like he wanted to, like, punch the drywall and her kind of explaining her whole situation. What's your take on Will and Jada? Who was right? Who was wrong? Uh, is she justified? Does August Alcina have any kind of uh, responsibility in this? Like, what's your take on all that?
1: Like I so I guess I should paraphrase this. So like I'm not a sharer, right? So I don't share my food, I don't share my drinks, and I sure as heck don't share my (laughs) net. If you're my boyfriend or my husband, like I'm not sharing you with somebody. (laughs) So like the whole concept of like an open relationship, like it doesn't it this falls flat on me. Like I just don't understand the purpose of it. And I know that there's people out there that are like non-monogamous, like I've seen them on dating apps, and like no. Um, I just, I think that for her to bring it on TV and embarrass him, mm. that's what crossed the line for me. Like before, like I never really was involved. Do you whatever you guys want to do, but like he has put her on a pedestal for so long. Like, like worships the ground she walks on. And I'm sure in every relationship, like you're not hundred percent happy all the time. It's, that's normal. If you are like, you're probably on something like there's going to be a point when in your relationship you're just like, Oh my gosh, this person, I just want to like slap them with a tomato. Like what is happening? (laughs) But like at the end of the day, like you make it work. And if you're that unhappy, like get divorced, they'll be together. Yeah. And I feel like, I think just with her putting him on blast literally on TV and like the look of his, on his face, I was like, Oh my God, that, that breaks my heart. You know, like I feel like Will Smith is like America's like older brother. Like everyone kind of looks up to him.
0: Mm-hmm. Everyone sees a little bit of themselves in Will Smith.
1: Yeah. Regardless of it's, you know, in I am legend, unless it's, and like he's the genie, all these different roles he's played. You're just like, how could you do this to him? Um, and in the, the fact, too, as i was saying about this, is that if he was the one to do it. Everyone would rip him to shreds.
0: Absolutely. Let's talk about because there is a double standard that exists. And I think as soon as Jada started going into how she didn't feel happy in a long time and how she wanted to feel good again and kind of emotionally justifying this. And, and I'm watching her do this and I'm like. And I, I know everyone knows, you know, it's, it's not we're not breaking news by saying that, like, men and women cheat for different reasons. But the common denominator is that you're just a jerk if you do it and you're a bad person. And, and I think for for this, like, standard to exist where it's like uh, you see a lot of women especially come forward and they're like, I totally get you, girl. Like she was going through something like I don't know. I, I think it's important that we just, like, draw the line and say, like, no matter what you're going through. You don't cheat on the person that you married or or you love, you know, or or just adhere to whatever rules of your relationship, whatever. Because, like, even if you're unhappy, love is a decision. It's not just, like, constantly, like, this, like, high and this, like, uh, this feeling that you get that's overwhelming. Like, at a certain point, even if you're ticked off at them, you have to make a decision to make things right and, and carry through and physically do the loving act as opposed to just, like... Uh, expecting the world to throw some kind of feeling on you and and that part sucked like you said to to watch him go through that and the look on his face and everything else and just to know that there are so many people there's someone right now is probably listening to this who's cheating on their spouse right now and they're doing the same justification like well i deserve to do this because i'm unhappy or like oh like well he did this so i can do that and it's just i don't know it's not it's not right it's not right
1: well, and that's the thing is a lot of people do like I'm unhappy or I don't really know what I want. I don't know if I love them. Like then don't be together with someone like, so I have this, I have this theory of this rule. Like if you, it's made on your age. So like obviously college age, like you, you don't know who you really want to be with. Let's be honest. Like some people get lucky. Some people like myself, like I was like, I can't marry my college boyfriend. Like that's not going to be okay. That's not going to work for me. And so, because I've changed a lot since I graduated college, I'm sure you have too. And I feel like once you get to a certain age, so I say like usually like 30. So like if you're with someone for like one to two years, like I think at that point, like you should know if you want to marry that person. You mm-hmm. you should know that you want to spend the rest of your life with this person. And I've had, you know... I've overheard conversations. I've seen things on the internet. And people are like, oh, like I've been with this person for five years, and I don't know if I want to marry him. Five years? (sighs) Like, no. No. Because now you're wasting your time. You're wasting everybody's time. You know, and like, because I feel like when you get into those kind of relationships, like it affects your families too. Like it's not just you.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's a it's a time commitment for everyone involved. And well, one of the smartest things I heard was that It's it's less about time and more about seeing that person in all of their seasons. So you have to you know, if you can see them when they're going through something great and see them when they're going through one of the lows in their life and um, when they're unemployed and when they're doing great and when they have a lot of money, like when you see them in all of their um, different situations or seasons. You have an idea of what they'll be like in those situations going forward. And then you can make that decision. Now, if that if that happens in a month and you see them in all the seasons that you need to see, fine. If it happens in three years, fine. But as long as you, you see what you need to see, I think, like you said, like don't waste any time. And to go about the, the open relationship thing, to go back a half step... It seems like when it comes to open relationships, I, I'm the same way. I don't share that. That concept is foreign to me to want to be with other people and simultaneously call yourself somewhat inclusive or whatever. I, I don't. I don't. I can't mentally put myself there. Never will. But like, it always seems like one person wants that openness more than the other one in a certain respect, and I think sometimes a lot of people when it comes to like, I guess, an open relationship or whatever, whatever you began your relationship as, I think you need to stay in that lane. So I don't think you can go from a closed relationship to an open one. I don't think you can start an open one and close it. I think you have to stay right where you were, because once you start to change rungs of the ladder, that's when things go massively wrong.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like the rules of the game. You know, if you start off in an open relationship and then two years later, one person wants to be exclusive and the other person doesn't, like, you're going to be heartbroken, you know? And it's the same with, like, if you're in a closed relationship, someone's like, well, like, I just, I love you and I want to be with you, but I also want to be with this person. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I think that you can love two people at the same time, but you have to pick which one is better for you. Or is it truly love or is one love and one lust, you know? and that's. I think with Jada, like, I don't like, I don't, I think this guy was just like a lustful, like, let me feel young again. Cause he's Mm -hmm. like half her age, you know? And I get it. People get bored in relationships and they have like a stalemate and you know, I just, I don't know. I just, I've, I've always been the, if you don't want to be with somebody, if you want to be with somebody else, break up. But like, for me, like I've, you know, every relationship I've been in, I'm like, if you ever don't want to be with me, like, d- just say that to me. Don't, don't cheat on me. Cause I've been cheated on and it was rough. So I'm like, if you don't want to be with me, just break up with me, but don't, there's no coming back. Yeah. It's my, like, we're done. Like if you don't want to work on this relationship, that's, that's fine with me. But like, I'm not going to do the like back and forth thing, which I think so many people do. And I'm like, it's the same outcome every time.
0: Uh, it's sad. I, f- I feel for Will as um, I don't know. I-, I feel like a big part of my, sense of humor and i don't know when i was like 13 like he's all you wanted to be you know as a young black dude so that was tough but um i want to say thanks to you shauna aka instant nashville go follow instant nashville you my friend keep on doing that thing that you do with your hair it looks phenomenal don't let anyone tell you otherwise Dude, thanks for doing this with me. Uh, I'm trying to figure out what my next move is going to be. And before doing the old show, I didn't have a chance to bring people like you on and, and just do this and, and shoot the blank with you. And I appreciate you doing this. And I don't know, having fun, man. Be safe out there in Nashville. Right?
1: Oh, man, of course. Thank you. This was a lot of fun. Like, And I know I've seen you with the station. I've seen you on your radio show like you were killing it. So I have no doubt on my mind that you're going to keep doing that you know maybe maybe you and the soon- to-be misses you know just come on down to Nashville I'm trying to get everybody down here
0: yeah you know what we're doing walking around with with uh, gigantic pieces of poster board that say wear a gosh darn mask or go home on Broadway that's what we're, if we come to Nashville that's exactly what's gonna happen
1: you guys can be the new <laughs> sign dude
0: <laughs> I will like I'll, I'll start swinging on people from like feet you know, <laughs> right away Shauna thank you I appreciate you
1: yeah you're welcome.